0: Welcome to It's Lit Time with Dr. Tess. I'm Tess Martinez, I'm an English teacher, and on this podcast, we talk about anything that has a storyline, from epic film trilogies to picture books. This is the show where literature gets lit. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Tess, and I'm here with a quick update on my reading of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, As part of my eventual effort to read um, pretty much everything Tolkien wrote on Middle Earth. Um, so, uh, my last episode was about the Hobbit. I finished the Hobbit. I am now, uh, about a third of the way through the Fellowship of the Ring. And I didn't set a specific, um, or set specific times when I was going to stop and make these episodes. I just decided, you know, I, I, I have some time right now and I'm I'm at a place where um, we're transitioning out of the Shire and finally out into the wider world, Um, which is crazy to think about it taking the first third. And I think it's probably more than a third of the Fellowship of the Ring for the Hobbits to just get out of the Shire. Um, The movie did not follow that pacing. I think with Good reason. Um, I think that, you know, getting the hobbits out onto the road and um, uh, experiencing, um, like I said, the wider world um, is a big theme of the Lord of the Rings, and it makes sense to have that happen sooner. But there's a lot in the book, a lot of logistical stuff just that goes into, you know, getting, frodo out of the shire without being detected and not just by the the ringwraiths or the black riders as they're still calling them at this point because we don't know a lot about them um but also without the knowledge of of other hobbits who could spill the beans on what's going on um he even tried to keep it from his his closest friends um but of course they they were on to him and they figured it out so yeah i was going to do an intro but I've, I've jumped right into um talking about the book so um this will be a a short episode. I just want to make some observations. Um, one thing of course that, um, uh, the movie doesn't include that. Shortens that whole beginning part is Tom Bombadil, and there are a lot of opinions among fans as to whether Tom Bombadil should have been included. I think it would have been incredibly hard to capture him. He's an interesting character. Um, I think it would be literally hard to capture Tom Bombadil because he's he's you know small and 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 light on his feet, and he would probably just run away from you. Actually, maybe he's not light on his feet. I remember it saying he kind of makes a lot of noise when he walks. I'm, I digress. Um, <laughs> it would be hard to to find an actor who could play him well. It would be hard to make him not... <sighs> he, he's meant to be, at the same time, a almost somebody out of a children's rhyme, somebody that you could easily not take seriously, but also someone who you know is Incredibly old, one of the oldest beings in Middle Earth, and immensely powerful. Um, the Ring has no effect on him. He's one of the only people in Middle Earth—I would almost say the only person—but I'm sure there there are other exceptions that seems to not—you know—he doesn't turn invisible when he puts the Ring on. Um, he can still see Frodo, and Frodo puts the ring on. Um, he just kind of laughs at the ring, um, which if anyone else did that, it would be inappropriate because they would be ignoring its power. But Tom is outside of the influence of the ring, um, and and therefore of Sauron. Um, and so, so there's obviously this incredible nature power that he has. If you were going to compare him to someone I hate to say this because I'm probably going to like stir up a controversy among Tolkien fans. But there, I'm not saying he is. A druid, but there are some similarities between him and what you would often call a druid character. Um, maybe not an actual druid from from history, but a, a druid character in like a role playing game or something like that. Um, he has this kind of power over nature that seems to just be inherent in him. Um, he doesn't use magic, although he's always going around skipping and saying these little rhymes, and it makes you wonder whether his rhymes have this have a kind of magical power to them, even though they seem just like nonsense a lot of times. Um, one thing I will say about Tom Bombadil and, and most readers have probably noticed this, um, but he speaks in a very specific, uh, meter. It's very sing-songy and I can't, sorry, if, if I, if I wanted to, I could go through and use my, you know, Poetry training from teaching English 101 for years or English 102, whatever we called our intro to literature class. And, and uh, you know, tell you exactly, you know, it's not iambic pentameter, but it's something like that. Um, and tell you exactly what meter he's using. But I didn't even bother to do that because I don't think it's that important. But he does use a specific meter and not just when he's using his little you're singing his little songs, but even when he's just having a normal conversation. And once you notice that, you can't unsee it. And so in my mind, I'm always reading Tom Bombadil's lines in this bouncy, sing-songy voice that I find kind of annoying. Um, (laughs) And I think it would have been hard to do that um, in the films without making him an annoying character, to be honest. Um, There's a really fine line that would have to be captured. And so I, I understand the... Both for the reasons of getting the hobbits out of the Shire sooner and also for the reasons of just the difficulty of capturing Tom Bombadil. I, I can see why that decision was made. Um, as many uh, fans of the films will know, some of Tom's lines, quite a few of Tom's lines and, and his consort Goldberry's lines, uh, I believe as well, were given to other characters like uh, mostly Treebeard. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think a couple of their lines may have been given to um, Galadriel when. The Hobbits get to Lothlorien. Um, I noticed something really interesting, and I will read this part. Um, there's a beautiful bit of writing that I think this just shows the attention to detail that the the film I know this podcast isn't supposed to be about the movies, but I, I can't help talking about them because they're so good, and for so many people, they are. Um, you know how how they were introduced to Middle Earth. I, as I've said before, I read the books first, but the the movies just brought them so much to life for me. And I want to um, come back to that in a second and talk about something specifically having to do with the characters. But there's a beautiful piece of writing um, that the filmmakers were very wise to not let go of, even though they didn't include the scene that it's part of. Um, And I think that shows you that Peter Jackson and co were just huge Tolkien fans. And they didn't just like read the book and then throw it aside after they got a sense of the story. They really, really wanted to include as much as Tolkien's beautiful writing as they could. So in the chapter, let me, I didn't prepare well for this episode. I should probably edit this part out. Here we are. Um, At the beginning of um, chapter eight, Fog on the Barrow Downs, Frodo is waking up after having spent the night in the house of Tom Bombadil, which is the name of the previous chapter. And I'll read you this first paragraph. That night they heard no noises, but either in his dreams or out of them, he could not tell which. Frodo heard a sweet singing running into running in his mind, a song that seemed to come like a pale light behind a gray rain curtain and growing stronger to turn the veil all to glass and silver until last at last it was rolled back and a far green country opened before him under a swift sunrise. Now, even if you've never read the books, that should sound familiar to you because gandalf uses a lot of that language there in the movie the uh, return of the king when he's talking to pippin and pippin says i don't want to die in a battle and and gandalf talks to him a little bit about what death is like because gandalf himself has experienced death and come back from it hope that's not a big spoiler for anybody um um and so he he talks about you know what it's like to to cross into um the undying lands into eternity um and uh it's interesting that that language, and I think very appropriate that that language from this kind of vision that Frodo is having in his sleep, I guess we call that a dream, a vision in our sleep, duh. Um, this dream that Frodo is having um, upon hearing, you know, Tom Bombadil singing throughout the night, apparently he's he's seeing these things in his mind. And, and that language is then used in the movie to describe that experience of crossing from... Um, Mortal life into immortal life, so I, I think it's beautiful, um, and that's just an example of of uh, the beautiful writing that I think was was really um, respected. I mean, of course, there are things that are lost from the books to the films. I'm not going to say that there's not, um, but uh, I, I love that. Uh, I always love films that are based on a book that capture not only the story, but the language of the original. And that's, this is a total side note, but that's one of the reasons why I love the Muppet Christmas Carol, because they use so much of Charles Dickens language in there. I mean, yeah, they change some details and yeah, you know, Bob Cratchit is a frog, Kermit the frog, but, (laughs) but yeah, they use so much of his language. And that's, I, I truly think part of the reason I fell in love with Charles Dickens all those years ago, but that is neither here nor there. Um, one other thing I wanted to say before I wrap this up, because I really I, I don't have a whole lot right now. I mean, there's tons that I could say I could do this for hours, um, but I'm not going to because I promised to keep these episodes short. Um, but uh, one thing that to me is sort of in contrast to the beautiful writing is that I think sometimes Tolkien's dialogue Feels a little bit stilted to me, and I don't know if that's because, especially with the hobbits, if he's using some kind of he's trying to use sort of like informal or almost slang language from his day, but because his day is decades ago, it sounds a little bit stilted to us. What when it would have sounded very fresh to his audience? Uh, I don't know if it's that, or I don't know if it's you know he was better at writing. Um, you know, stuff that doesn't have dialogue, like, like so much of his, um, like Silmarillion, a lot of that is just kind of old Testament type writing where, you know, you're not getting these scenes with nitty gritty details of characters talking back and forth. You're getting these broad sweeping, um, uh, strokes. Um, I know that's not all of the Silmarillion, but, but a lot of it, it strikes me that way, at least. Um, it's more, um, It's more like epic poetry than it is like a modern novel. Um, So anyway, where was I going with that? Sometimes I do think his dialogue comes across as a little stilted. Um, And that's one thing I love about the movies. Um, I mentioned this last time when I was talking about The Hobbit. I love the way that The Hobbit movies made the dwarves feel more like real people to me instead of just like a list of funny rhyming names, they actually came to life. And some of them obviously got more screen time than others, but I really felt like I got to know like Balin and Dwallin and um, the one with the funny hat. His name I can't remember right now. Anyway, um, some of us and and, um, Thorin, etc. And I think the same thing is really true with um, like Merry and Pippin in this book, Um, in this book, in all of the books, Um, but especially in the Fellowship of the Ring when you're first getting to know them. Um, I think that Frodo is pretty well fleshed out early on and Sam has a very distinctive voice, of course, but Merry and Pippin kind of could just sort of blend together and just kind of seem like, you know, Frodo's hip younger friend's but you, I, I felt like I didn't really get to know them that well, at least that early in the story. But the actors who, by the way, I'm going to get to meet in December, I'm going to get to meet all the four Hobbit actors from the fellowship, of the, or from the from the Lord of the Rings, not Bilbo, but the, you know, the four that were part of the fellowship. Um, I'm going to get to meet them at a con in December. So excited. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think um, the actors that play Mary and Pippin, um, Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd were just so full of personality and, and even it's easy to, for Marion Pippin themselves to kind of people get them mixed up all the time. And, and that's understandable because they're kind of two peas in a pod, but also they do have distinct personalities that I think those actors brought out really well. And, um, sort of solve that problem of, of the dialogue, sometimes feeling stilted, which kind of puts up a barrier between us and the characters when we're reading the books, at least in my experience. Um, so that's, that's, I'll stop for now. Um, just some really beautiful writing. Oh, by the way, I've, I've started dreaming about Lord of the Rings. I had this great dream where I was Frodo in the, in the house, in the woods that, you know, Fatty Bulger was going to stay behind in. Um, anyway. (laughs) It was kind of a scary dream because the ring rays were after me, but it was, it was really fun when I woke up and I realized I was dreaming about Lord of the Rings. Um, So, Oh, and Gollum was in the dream too, even though he's not in that part of the story. Anyhow. um, So where I am right now, like uh, we're at the sign of the prancing pony. Um, We're just actually, we've just met Strider. I always feel like I have to pronounce his name the way Sam pronounces his name Strider. Of course, characters don't know who Strider actually is yet. um, So I will um, not go into his whole character right now. I'll do that in my next episode. But anyway, thank you for listening to this long, not not long, for this short yet rambling episode with me. Um, If you're reading um, Lord of the Rings, give me a shout out. Let me know where you're at and um, what you would like to hear me talk about. And hey, if you want to be on an episode with me, uh, let me know because I'm always open to... uh, you know, talking with people who enjoy talking about stories. Um, and so, yeah, if you're a person who's been listening to this podcast and you, um, would like to be a guest, um, express your desire and, and we'll talk. Okay. Um, hope you all are having, um, a wonderful fall and, uh, that you are doing, consuming some good stories, whether that's through, I hope you're reading and I hope that maybe you're watching some good TV and good movies as well. So, um, I'll be back next time with more on the Fellowship of the Ring.